Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is an incredible guest and relationship expert, Brian Reeves. He is the founder of BrianReeves.com. Uh, and has written some pretty incredible books. He has a master's degree in human relations, uh, organizational dynamics from the University of Oklahoma. So that's all about human relationships and obviously social hierarchies within organizations and has been a regular contributor to the Good Man Project, Elephant Journal, Raw Attraction Magazine, Sexy Conscious Awake, Meet Mindful, and so many others. Uh, he's been profiled as a leading relationship expert by datingadvice.com and a quote-unquote badass man by New York Minute Mag. Now he's got two books, The Sex, Flirting, Dating, Hunting, and Hoping Diet, and Tell the Truth, Let the Peace Fall Where It May. Uh, he is a thriving life and relationship coach who really helps people to create an exquisite life and relationship experience. And so... Today is all about relationships, and Brian and I really are on the same page, so we dive into you know what blocks us as men from really having the type of uh, relationship that we're ultimately seeking. And so we talk about some of the blocks. We talk about the three stages of relationships, which is really incredible, uh, and some of the hurdles that you might expect or face along the way. Uh, Brian shares some of his personal experience, some experience from working with literally hundreds and potentially thousands of clients. Uh, and we take a little bit of a deep dive on how to develop a deeper sense of intimacy with your partner. So this is a really incredible podcasts specifically around relationships, but we also talk about boundaries and how to set boundaries, how to know where your boundaries are, what they are, what's going to help serve you the best and serve your relationship the best. So uh, incredible, incredible episode. Uh, I just want to remind all the guys to head on over to Facebook and join the Man Talks community. We've got some amazing conversations in there. Uh, Brian's actually a, a member of the Man Talks community. And so we dive into relationships. We dive into entrepreneurship, mindset, finding purpose. We, we really talk about all of those things. And it's a free resource for you to meet some incredible men from around the world. So I hope you go over and join that. And just a quick reminder, don't forget to man it forward, share this podcast, even if it's just with one person, man it forward with one person. Maybe that person's your partner. Maybe it's a friend who needs to hear this, but share the podcast because it goes a long way in getting this uh, podcast into the ears and on the phones of other people. So without any further delay, please welcome Brian Reeves. I am so excited to be here, man. I've been listening to, to your podcast for a while now. So awesome, brother. Well, awesome. thanks for joining me because I I've you know I've watched your work. I've I've seen you talk about relationships. And as somebody who's, you know, I'm I'm engaged to a, a marriage and family therapist. So I hear a lot about relationships. And I really I, I respect yeah. I have a lot of respect for you and your perspective. And so I'm I'm excited to dive into this. Yeah, it's funny. You and I, that's another thing we have in common. I also am engaged to a marriage and family therapist. So You, you can't get away with shit, can you, right? Like when you date a therapist. Yeah, it's funny. I listened to your podcast with Vienna and um, shit, my, my, my fiance f uh, follows her, I think, on Instagram. She's a big fan of Vienna's. And, and 
And you said that I can't get away with anything. <laughs> and I was like, yep, I can't get away with anything either. But, but we want it that way. We actually don't want to be able to get away with the things that we think we want to be able to get away with. It's true. It's true. Because I think that most men think that they want to get away with things and yeah. then they get into the relationship where they can get away with everything. And they're just fucking miserable. They're like, That's right. they're like, wait, what happened? I thought yeah. I wanted this. And now I have the quote unquote <laughs> ultimate freedom. And I'm absolutely right. miserable because yeah. nobody's holding me accountable to my shit. That's right. Yeah. But I digress. We'll dive more into that in a yeah. second. That's, that's an have, interesting point. We'll probably hit on that. We so. will. We will. But I got to ask the question because when, if yeah. I don't, my listeners reach out to me and they're like, hey, you didn't ask the question. Okay. So are you ready? Good. They keep you accountable. You got that's challenging right. listeners too. I like it. That's right. That's right. I mean, accountability is part of our brand. But um, okay, cool. So tell us, tell me a story yeah. about a defining moment that made you who you are today. <sighs> um. Yeah, so many to choose from over the years, um, but I'm going to just go back a year and a half ago when I was about six months into my current relationship with my fiance, and she had been saying something to me in those first maybe four or five months. After about four or five months, she started saying to me, you know, Brian, you, you, you're kind of like a, a single man who, who's in a relationship with me, and I kept not understanding what the hell she was talking about. What do you mean? Because I was proclaiming to the world, like, this is the woman. I love this woman. I, you know, I'm very boundaried with other women. I, I, I don't cross those boundaries. I'm very honoring the, of the relationship. But she would say that to me a few times. You're, you're kind of like a single man who wants to be in relationship or who's in relationship with me. And again, I just didn't understand what she's talking about. And then she broke up with me hmm. six months into the relationship. And there were a lot of other things happening, but Here's what happened during those three weeks and why this was so defining. And I say three weeks because we were actually only apart for three weeks. But during those three weeks, when this extraordinary woman, I felt like I had, I, I'd waited a lifetime for, when, when she ended the relationship, those three weeks, I, so I had, at the time, you know, I was having a lot of success. My, my blogs were were doing really well, blowing up around the world. I had people writing into me, you know, admiring my work. My coaching practice was full and thriving. Like life was working. All of the things were in place. And then all of a sudden this woman left my life. And I started, and I'll never forget the day that, 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 that that happened. I, I was in this giant, in this convention center, I was talking in, uh, in Philadelphia and I was in this big convention center at the end of the day. And I was even talking about love. I was at a spa conference talking about how to do business, you know, from a mindset of love. And here I am, my partner just left me. Mm. <laughs> and I was in these cavernous hallways in the convention center. And I remember feeling like the emptiness of life. It was so empty. Everything lost its meaning. Everything that I thought was so important lost meaning for me when this woman decided to take herself out of my life. And for the next few weeks, I mean, I, I, I walked around in, in, in the space, the psychological space within which men kill themselves mm. because I had, I, I had it all and it didn't fucking matter. It was meaningless. And that's when I came to understand also what she meant when she said, you're like a single man who wants to be in a relationship. What, what she was pointing at, that I didn't understand. And this is something that I, I actually work with when I work with couples, this evolution of intimacy was I was very firmly rooted in my independence. 
Mm. you know, masculine freedom. I'm my own man. I make my own decisions. I call my own shots. I'd been single for six years before and I was still doing things. I was, you know, as a writer, I was writing things without really concern for how they might affect her. For example, you know, I was, I was just making decisions on where to live, like everything. I was just choosing without really involving her in the choosing. So despite proclaiming to the world that like, this is the woman, I'm in love with this woman. I met my lady and all that. I was still acting in the relationship as though there was just, you know, there was two separate people, me and, and, you know, an I and a you. It's the second stage of, of intimacy. There's I and there's you. The first stage, there's just I. But what I hadn't made the, the breakthrough to yet, what I hadn't evolved into yet, which she was calling me into, but I was resisting because I just didn't know was the third stage, the, the, the we stage of relationship. There's a we that deserves care, that, that needs care and feeding and, 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 and tending to. And I wasn't doing that at all. And in those three weeks of being apart, you know, the I experience just kind of shattered because it just, I had it all and it was meaningless. And I felt I was fucking miserable, man. It was mm. painful. And we had an opportunity to speak a few weeks later and she felt my just shattering open and, and the we consciousness that was so there in our conversation that, you know, she swooned and, and we, we got quickly back together and, you know, that was a really a defining moment. Even just, it was only, you know, not even almost two years ago, barely two years ago, mm. you know, yeah. changed I mean, everything for me. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I see, I mean, obviously I work a lot with men one-on-one in groups and, mm-hmm. and with, uh, with the strong, powerful women that are on the other side of them mm-hmm. or trying to find them. And it's really interesting because what I see a lot of guys struggle with is either this resistance to step into that because yeah. they're scared to lose themselves or they're searching for a relationship so badly because they want to avoid the individuality of mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. And so it's almost like, oh, there's this freedom in relationships that I can go find. I can be this like really nice guy and I can have this validation, you know, this like this person that becomes a validator for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and I don't have to do that for myself and I don't have to find this sort of internal sense of confidence and strength because somebody else will do it for me. Mm-hmm. And so those are, those are two, like, two of like, the biggest things that I, I really see with men struggling with today, especially in relationships. It sounds like you were in the first real dynamic that you had to crush through of, of letting go of that, of that space. So how does one, and maybe we can unpack this a little bit, but how do we start to find our own sense of resemblance within our relationship and still have it be about us and not lose our independence, not lose our identity? Because I hear a lot of men, it's interesting just recently just on the last point here in a in a a performance mastermind that i just led recently one of the guys said i find that when my relationship is working my business and everything else Mm. falls into place he's like (laughs) if that's taken care of yeah not not that i'm living for it but when that's taken care of everything else seems to work so much better yeah and so Again, circling back to this, how do we start to find our, our own sense of self-care and individual strength and individuality within the space of a relationship where we can still show up and, and feel loved and, and, and a healthy dynamic? Yeah. How long is this podcast? <laughs> I know, right? I know. We have, yeah. a, we have a week, right? That your yeah. listeners, are, they're dedicated, right? You all have time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a full, it's a full, we're going to be on here until we figure this shit out. It might be six oh, hours. I don't know. Man, six years. Um, you know, uh, 
I'm afraid to lose myself. I'm afraid I'm going to lose myself. Yeah, that, that's something that I, I hear expressed a lot. Uh, I think everybody, man and woman, has, an, 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 or, or even couples that have been together a long time, I'll hear, I have lost myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I am anymore, right? And I want to come back to these three stages of relationship because th- these, are, these are very relevant in this, in this, in this exploration because you know, the first stage, it's all about me. I, and, and in, in, in the sense that you don't even exist except as to how you please or upset me, mm. right? It's like even, you know, the, the classic narcissistic dynamic is there's a hero and there's a zero. But the thing that people don't get is in both of those, both sides of that's a spectrum of narcissism because even the zero in a sense is, is narcissistic in that I'm going to shut up. I'm not going to speak my truth. I'm not going to really be honest with myself. It's like the nice guy syndrome too, the same kind of thing. I'm not going to tell the truth because I'm afraid of upsetting you or not getting what I want from you or you leaving me or you not liking me. Notice how all of that is still about me, mm-hmm. actually. Right? That's the first stage of, of, of intimacy. And we're all, we all start off life that way as babies. I mean, we're literally dependent on a caretaker for survival. We'll die you know, for the first 10 years of our life. If someone doesn't feed us, care for us, touch us, we, we, we die, right? But then we take that into our adult relationships and we kind of play out that same, it's like our nervous systems are tuned to if, you know, I need to be something specific in order to get what I need from you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's almost like I joked around with one of my clients the other day and he, he came in and sat down and we were, we were chatting. He said, I feel like, I feel like I just haven't grown up. And I was like, yeah, you, you know, you, you, maybe you don't like, you know, where is the, where is the little you? It's like the, this like Peter Pan thing that we have to go through that yeah. we're resisting this sort of transformation or this growth into actually feeling like a man. And it's not that the kid in us ever goes away. You know, I think that's the, that's yeah. the false perception yeah. that we have. It's no, like the little boy in us yeah. that like scared little boy is just going to like magically disappear. Yeah. But then where would he go? Where would he go, right? He only has one place to go, and it's within us. And so... Well, and that scared little boy, he's, he's also our little playful little boy. Mm-hmm. He's the one that laughs easily. He's the one that can, you know, just play with a ball for hours and be content. He's the one that just doesn't need to produce anything. Yeah. We don't want to lose that guy. No, exactly. If anything, we need to embrace that. And it yeah. sounds like what you're talking about in, in some ways in, in this first phase is actually... Uh, is actually embracing that, you know, and not and not yeah. avoiding it, but actually really taking it in and, and caring for for that first for that first space. And so, how do we move from there to the second phase well, in, well, here, in that space? And, well, and here's what I want to really challenge people too: as you're listening to this, that actually that the fear of losing yourself in relationship, I would actually challenge you to consider that it's actually through relationship that we find our true selves. Mm. That we, it's through relationship that we find out who we really are Mm -hmm. because it's easy, you know, when we're not being held accountable to an intimate partner, where we're not having that mirror held up by another human being at such an intimate space, we actually don't know who the hell we are. We're just, we're just our, our whims and our fancies and our, you know, our, our addictions and our, I'll just do whatever's. I mean, that's what we are. We're just sort of, you know, the surface of our potential without that accountability at, at a close distance, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I gave a talk recently, a couple of times this summer, at a few different conferences, 
called Transformational Intimacy. And in it, I talk about the root. I'm such a nerd, by the way. This is <laughs> this is giving some insight into like my uh-huh. my my persona. But uh, I started researching the etymology of intimacy and found that it comes from the Latin word intimus, and that it, that it actually intimus means innermost. Mm-hmm. And so, to your point, intimacy mm-hmm. actually starts within us first. Yeah. You know, before we can even hope to connect with anybody else, we have to have some form of internal exploration. And so that, that understanding of our identity, that understanding of what drives us and what compels us and what connects us and, you know, what, what makes us thrive and happy and fulfilled or sad or whatever it is to be able to have that type of a closeness with ourselves first is important. But then the, the caveat, it sounds like is not being so attached to that intimacy with ourselves that we're, scared of or struggle with yeah. letting letting it go to a certain degree to actually allow somebody else to enter into that space. Yeah. Well, what I love about doing intimate relationship work, both both in my own partnership, but working with couples is because it's, you know, intimate relationships are the container within which we transcend our own separate sense of self. You know, the whole oneness that we, that we sing about in our pop songs and, and, and our poetry is all about being one. And, and that actually, you know, our, 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 so from the, from the childhood, you know, I consciousness, it's all about me and my survival. When we start to do intimate relationship, it's through tension with another saying, Hey, what about my I? You know, you you only think of yourself all the time. You know, it's what about you? You know, one of my one of the things that I just find the most fascinating when when people get upset and say you're so selfish, because what is that really coming from? But but saying, hey, I'm the one that should be get to be selfish here. We should be paying attention to me. Never mind you. Right? It's like two people kind of get into this sort of fascinating argument about who gets to be more selfish than the other, right? Mm-hmm that's evidence. I mean, that, that's a, a stage one kind of dynamic, but through that, through that tussle, we evolve into stage two, because after a while we get fucking tired of <laughs> those power dynamics, that power struggle, the manipulation, the coercion, the control, the, you know, you talked about in your, in your TEDx talk about the, uh, you know, as, as, as boys were taught to dominate and control, right. Um, where women are taught to, generally taught to manipulate and and be dishonest in a different way deny what's really happening for you so that you keep him close so that Mm. you don't inconvenience him right i mean we we all conspire in this together to create relationships that maybe stay together but we certainly don't enjoy them you know you hear the statistic that 50 percent of all relationships of all marriages fail and it's not that black and white but you know a lot of marriages fail, but what we don't hear is how actually happy are the ones who stay together. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we focus in on what's not working versus well, what's clear, what can be measurably not working. Yeah, I mean, it's that's what you're talking about. I love that because it's like the the concept behind positive psychology, right? Like the I can't remember what it is. I'm totally blanking on his name right now, even though I've read all of his books, but the guy that is considered like the grandfather of positive psychology, he basically said like, you know, psychology was set up for such a long time to get you from negative 10 to zero and zero is like your normal operating space. And so he's like, what about zero to plus 10? You know, how do we like, you know, it's like, are we just, are we just in this to to get us to like a a mediocre state to a normal state? 
And I think yeah. that sometimes we approach relationships like that. It's like, fuck that. What about, what does plus eight, what does plus 10 look like in That's your right. relationship? That's right. And not, that, not just what does it mean to stay together? How do you keep it together? There are so many couples that are keeping it together, but they're miserable. Yeah. Maybe, maybe silently so, but it's not working and not, certainly not anything that I'd want to have for myself. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not thriving. They may be surviving, but they're not thriving. And I think we have the, the luxury in this day and age to talk about and explore what does it really mean to thrive yeah. in a relationship rather than just survive. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, one of the things that, that I was curious to get your perspective on and, and something that I've seen is, and I think we're starting to touch on it here throughout this process, but, you know, the, the challenges that some men have in entering into a relationship, you know, and, and staying in a relationship. And, you know, I've, I think the more that I do men's work and the more that I work with men and, and work with, uh, also work with mm-hmm. women who like are, are, you know, again, trying to find them, the more that I hear that story of like, where are all the good men that want to have relationships mm-hmm. or like all good men are in relationships. And yeah. it's such an interesting perspective and interesting dynamic because there's this stereotype that like men, men don't want to be in relationships. Mm. And I, and I think that's bogus, you know, yeah. like I, I really do. I think it's such a myth around yeah. mask, like, you know, healthy masculinity or healthy men that they don't want to be in a relationship. The men that I know, the men that I meet, the men that I work with and have talked to in any city around North America and in any country that I've been to want to be in, in a healthy, loving relationship. They don't want to enter into a dysfunctional dynamic and they definitely don't want to stay single forever intentionally. There's a very small, small, small percentage of people, yeah. men and women, that, that yeah. want to be alone forever and that's usually because of their wounds. So in your perspective, what are some of those pieces that maybe on the, on the one side prevent men from stepping more fully into a relationship and into a healthy dynamic and being committed because that seems to be, that seems to be like the trigger word, right? Like, like we got to give a trigger warning for committed. Well, so one of the, the fundamental, <clears throat> one of the foundations that I, I base my work on is masculine and feminine dynamics. There's a lot of awareness being built in our, in our world now around how profoundly our, 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 kind of the, our, our masculine our preference in, in the world we grow up in, our masculine preference has us reject feminine values, feminine, feminine expression, feminine being. And, and if you just, so one of my teachers, David Data, I'm sure you're familiar with his work, mm-hmm. you know, he taught me that masculine value is freedom, mm-hmm. which gosh, I mean, just makes sense. I mean, every battle cry on the planet is about freedom. <laughs> you know, everything from, from Braveheart freedom to, you know, our politicians, they do everything in the so-called name of freedom. Uh, business is about creating more freedom for yourself. Making money means you have more freedom. Um, you know, everything is, 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 it's all about freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's the masculine value. Well, what about the feminine value of connection, right? What about that value? Mm. You know, that value we largely discard. And in fact, it's so discarded that when, when, you know, this is something that comes up in a lot of heterosexual relationships. I experience it, um, but, but it's, it's, it's best. Um, I could, uh, I'll tell a little story about a friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine who was having uh, marital problems and uh, he'd been married for about 10 years and, and him and his wife, they were having some problems and they were, but they were sitting in their living room having a conversation 
and it's you know heated and they're they're trying to figure shit out and but they're getting upset and 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 his, his wife says you know i just don't feel connected to you and my friend looks around he notices okay we're in the same room we're sitting on the same couch words are coming out of both our mouths like i'm here she's here and he just I don't think he says these words, but he certainly thinks them. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. You don't feel connected to me. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I had a client ask me that too. What does it mean when she says she doesn't yeah. feel connected when we're literally yeah. holding hands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I'll tell you, I mean, even in my own relationship, it's usually my partner who is the she's kind of the canary in the coal mine of, of how connected are we feeling? Like when she, she'll feel it before I won't, I mean, before, before I do that, there's a disconnected thing happening. She's, you know, as men, it's, it's more like, uh, you know, so long as no one's bleeding, nothing's on fire and we're not starving, then we're good. Yeah. Everything's good. What do you mean? Not connected. That's not even a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. So, I think that initial confusion, I think a lot of us, yes, we, we're excited to be in partnership with somebody. Again, it, it calls us into our mastery. You know, I think it, it, instinctively, all of us are in our, in our deepest heart of hearts where we want to know how to love. Mm. You know, if, if, you know, Jim Carrey said it, you know, I hope everyone has, gets an opportunity to be rich and famous so you can learn that that ain't where it's at. Yep. It doesn't work. You know, it was the same that happened to me a year and a half, or almost two years ago where I had it all. And yet then the, the, the love that I had been waiting for for a long time was like, peace, peace, I'm yeah. out. <laughs> I was like, ouch, what? <laughs> None of this shit matters if you're not part of it. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think learning us, us, you know, that resistance that we have, that, that stubborn kind of freedom value. And again, in stage one, it's all about my freedom. Mm-hmm. my freedom at all costs. You know, I hear this a lot. You know, men will put this on their dating profiles. This is the worst thing to put on your dating profile. I don't want no drama. That is the worst thing to put on. I don't want no drama. No, because what you're saying, I don't want no drama is essentially saying, I don't want to experience real connection with anybody. I do not want to experience emotions. Mm-hmm. I do not want to embrace life in its fullness. I'm going to just stay in my little box where it's safe and no one can hurt me. Mm-hmm. A little stress-free box, I call it. And if yeah. you, you fit outside of my stress-free box, then I ain't going to love you. you know, that's What life is that? But us men, until we you know, learn, and, and this is what's so great about doing men's work. You know, What's one of the first things that in, in, in any men's group, what's one of the first things that we do? Like when we check in, when we all arrive, I haven't done any men's work with you specifically, so I don't, I don't know your experience, but in, the, in all of the men's work that I've done, one of the first things we always do is check in with our feelings. Mm-hmm. What are we feeling? What are we showing up with today? Yeah. All right. Starting to reconnect, reconnect with our own feelings. You know, my partner said to me a long time ago, Brian, you are never going to be able to embrace my feelings if you can't embrace your own. It was like, that was a mic drop moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it's interesting because I think a lot of guys have the access point of anger for yes. their, for their connectivity, but yeah. at the same time, anger has sort of been villainized in, in the mainstream. And so a lot of guys hear these conflicting messages where they're like, okay, I need to get more in touch with my feelings. 
but yeah. anger seems to be the only thing that's socially acceptable, but I'm not supposed to go right. down that route because yeah. that could be aggression. So, yeah. well, I'm screwed. So I'll just check out and play some video games, yeah. smoke a joint and, <laughs> and like peace out from the world. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, yeah. I have a saying that kind of like capsulates what you're talking about. And, I've, and, I've, and I'm not even too sure where this came from or uh, yeah, I'm not even too sure where it came from, but I like to say that men, and we're talking about a you know heteronormative relationship, mm-hmm. obviously. But mm-hmm. men like to connect. Men connect physically, and women connect emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so, men often feel, and there's a lot of scientific research around this that show that men are more open to talking about emotional things right after sex, mm-hmm. because they actually that's when they feel they're most quote unquote connected to their partner. And well, women, there's often, a biological basis for that too. And absolutely. Finish that. There's a hormonal basis for that too. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then on the other side, women often feel the most connected when, when there's an emotional connection. And, and so when we can start to translate those two things, and this doesn't mean that I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to clarify this for a second. This doesn't mean that you have to have sex with your man in order to get him to like, listen to what you're saying. Although I'm sure that some of the guys on the podcast are like, please. (laughs) (laughs) That would really help. It would, you know, it it would help. That's the sage advice. Um, But yeah. And so, you know, it's really interesting because I think that when guys do start to connect more on the emotional level and they start to tune into that feminine part of themselves that they may have been disconnected for for so long and be able to communicate that piece, yeah. the it's this, I've noticed this interesting cause of an effect where their partners feel more connected emotionally and it leads to more physical connection yeah. because there is that there is that being on the same level. And maybe that's part of, do you feel like this is part of the the segue into that sort of next stage of, of intimacy, that next stage of relationships? Like what are some of the other pieces of that? Well, I think what, what, what has to happen to get out of that stage one codependence, like it's all about me mm-hmm. and, and you only exist insofar as you piss me off or you please me. There is a, a, a recognition that, Oh, okay. Wait a second. You exist. You're actually, you, you, your existence, your, your existence is valid. Mm. I respect your existence. You have wants and needs and desires that are, might be different than mine sometimes. And that's okay. Right. And sometimes they will be at odds. Sometimes they'll be in conflict and, and learning how to navigate that second stage just means that, okay, I'm not always going to get my way. Mm. Right. This is where we start to talk about compromise and, and really learning how to juggle two very different worlds in, in two different human beings. Right. That's the second stage. And that's essential to get out of codependence. But but the thing that is, is really important is, is it's not about abandoning yourself for the other. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the thing when, when people are afraid of losing themselves, it's. I don't want to give up what I want. I don't want to give up my needs. I don't want to give up my dreams and desires and what makes me feel good just to make someone else happy. And nor should you. That's not a recipe for success. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I think what you're talking about in a lot of ways are, are agreements or boundaries in, in relationships. And I think for, for a lot of guys, it's almost like, and I, I felt like this when I was, when I was younger um, you know, when I hadn't stepped into this work, but it was almost like if I didn't get my way in a relationship, it was almost like I was failing as a man. It's yeah. not like, oh, I done something wrong or my partner yeah. has her own desires and wants and needs. It wasn't any of those things. It was like, I, yeah. I'm not a man right now because I'm not getting my way. And I think that a lot of guys have that, 
not a lot, but I think that some guys struggle with that, that it's like an attack on their masculinity or that they're somehow less than or not as worthy as they think that they should be when their partner is disagreeing or not sort of like, quote unquote, giving them what they want. Or, Or even she's just upset. Yes. And I don't think she should be upset. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's such a good one. That's a, why are you upset right now? This is so ridiculous. That's right. Just because if, <laughs> if, if you're upset and it sounds like it's my fault and therefore, like you just said, that means I'm a bad, it must mean if I, if I go along with your upset, then it means I'm a bad person or I'm a bad boyfriend. I can't accept that because mm-hmm. number one, I don't agree with your upset. Your logic is flawed, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're making this shit up. Stop it. Right. And so again, we just, it just perpetuates though disconnect, mm. right? And, and, and I could share, you know, as we go through this here, I can share a tool for connecting and, 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 and specifically there are seven responses that we men and women also, but generally our, us men tend to offer whenever there's an upset that just perpetuate the upset despite our best intentions. But you're right. I mean, that, that, we don't get our way, even if it's just our way is, you know, I made it, I joked with my partner a while ago. She's like, you know, I said, baby, look, just always be, what did I say? Delighted and thrilled. Just, just be delighted and thrilled and everything will be great. That's all I ever want for you to be is delighted and thrilled a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. <laughs> now that's not entirely true. Although gosh, my brain goes, no, that would be amazing. Cause that would mean that everything's great. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to fix anything. I don't have to solve anything. And then, and then I've done my job, right? I've done my job. Like a good boyfriend. I have, I have my mission. Be a good <laughs> husband. Be a good boyfriend. And if you're happy, I've fulfilled on that I, mission. I, I win. I win. Yeah. But that, and that's, but that's not life with an, any emotional person. Anyone who's connected to their emotions is going to feel all of them. Yeah. So you know, as 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 men. Again, we've been taught to dismiss our own emotions. Of course, we're going to dismiss, therefore, the world's or our, just our partners. And yet we choose emotional people because it's, you know, that's that we're seeking balance. We're seeking wholeness. We, we, we're seeking to reclaim that lost part of ourselves. And that's what makes us so crazy is because we don't realize we're choosing the very person who can help us heal. Mm-hmm. But we reject the offering. Because we don't get past the programming. We don't see past it. And that's why we, then we turn into the, I don't want no drama guy. Yeah, yeah, and we're yeah exactly. Miserable and frustrated and cynical. And, you know, we, we, we live a shallow existence of, of what's really possible for us. Yeah, yeah. Something that Vienna and I talked about on our podcast and something that uh, I shared in, in the talk that I gave was that when you reject intimacy, you invite abandonment. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, I see guys struggling with that abandonment, you know, recreating, recreating this wound, whether, you know, they were abandoned by their father or, you know, he, yeah. he wasn't around enough or, yeah. you know, their mom, their, their mother worked two yeah. jobs to raise them, like whatever the case is that they, they invite this sense of, of feeling not enough because they push away the thing that they actually want most. Yeah, it, it, It's, we don't want to risk losing it again. Yeah. It hurt. Like my dad left when I was four. It was one of the, it remained, look, it was one of the best things that happened just because of how it would play out later. But it's also the, probably the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, that's still in my nervous system. It's risky to depend on somebody. 
And that's the challenge. So we, even in that second stage, there's I, and there's you, it's kind of the, the, you know, the motto of sec of that second stage relationship is, Hey, I got me and you got you. That's how this is going to work. I don't need you. And I don't want you to need me either. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be needed. And I don't want you to need me either. Mm -hmm. you know, even women in their second stage independence, you know, they'll, they'll kick ass in the world. They you know, will, will be successful in their own businesses. They'll figure out how to take care of themselves. But then when it comes to a man, look, I am not going to depend on a man mm -hmm. because men don't show up, whatever the stories are. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times it's, you know, it's the reason women have really stepped into their independence because they've, they've been rewarded for their masculine drive as, you know, achievement as a kid, grades in school, kicking ass at sports, whatever. They've been rewarded for that. And they also have gotten the message that your feminine being is not valid here. It doesn't, it has, it has no value. Mm -hmm. We all get those messages. So, you know, that second stage relationship, it's, it's, it, it's two independent people who neither really want to risk anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've, I've seen a lot of, you know, really kick-ass women struggle that, that are, you know, might, might be more energetically masculine or consider themselves to be more masculine with the, mm -hmm. you know, being very athletic or not that these are, these are only masculine traits, but they consider themselves to be more masculine struggle with the messaging of, I don't need you. Yeah. And, and it's almost like this rebuttal and it's so interesting because there, there comes a time and place in, in their life where all of a sudden they start to have this crisis where it's like, I, yeah. I genuinely want a partner who I can love, yeah. but I don't want to need them Yeah, in any way, shape or form. So can you, yeah. I, I'd love to get your perspective yeah. on this. What's your thought on needing somebody in a relationship? I, oh man, I love this one. Okay. So again, <laughs> Notice where it comes from. When we were children, we needed our parents literally for survival. And in most, and, and in some very important ways, our parents weren't able to be there for us. You know, even, even well-intentioned fathers in, in, in our generation and, and generations past, those fathers were emotionally, many of them, not all, were emotionally absent. Yeah. Even if they were physically present. And a lot of them weren't even physically present, right? So we needed a father or, or some masculine model of loving and we didn't get it right. Or the way that we got, it was really harsh. Mm. And as we grow up uh, and likewise, you know, the, the feminine nurturing that we needed, whether that came from a, a man or a woman, likewise, it, it oftentimes it comes to us, you know, with our parents, their own kinks and how they love, right. Their own weirdness and their own sort of, you know, their own wounds and flaws and how they they're loving. So we grow up and as we mature, we realize that shit sucked, you know, and they had good intentions, but damn, my parents, you know, I asked this of a group of like 37 men, not long ago in a men's group, 37 men, I asked them, how many of you felt like you were modeled by your father, how to really show up for love in your life? How to really talk, how to really be a, be a man with, with, with a deeply connected to purpose, right? Purpose, that's a big one. I asked 37 men that question. One and a half raised their hands out of 37 men, you know, gay, straight, uh, black, white, uh, Indian, Mexican. I mean, th one and a half out of 37 men. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think that there's a lack of that not mentorship. I, th I think that, I think that as men, we often try and pass things down through the means of like 
well, if I just model, if I just like am a role model in some way, shape or form, but I never communicate it, then maybe that'll get the message across. But, but even then it's tough because there's so many absentee fathers in the world. And what a lot of guys are taught through their father's role modeling is oftentimes that the job is priority number one, that what you do in the world matters more than who you are as a father, that your job in the world matters more than who you are as a husband. And so that becomes the primary focus when we're really looking at our, our parents through the lens. It's like that becomes the lesson that we take from our dads. And, and, and in that masculine programming, men and women, boys and girls, were taught not to need anybody. Yeah. Do it on your own. You got to figure it out on your own, son. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know, you need to figure it out. Don't rely on handouts. Yeah. You know, don't ask for help. We don't see our fathers asking for help. You know, even as a, as a relationship coach, men only come to me because their their partner either has already left them or they finally they finally got it that she's leaving it's crisis mode right <laughs> i i totally agree i totally agree i see a lot of guys come to us as well with the same thing it's like it's crisis mode crisis it's like i mode. like i either i fix this in the next three days like either we get this shit together or she's gonna leave me yeah or like right. my job's gonna fold or my company's gonna break down right. it's like why wait till crisis? Why wait till rock bottom? How like how do we pre- how do we yeah. prevent that? Like, what's the message? If you could give a few guys that are out there that are like headed down the path of rock yeah. bottom and they kind of yeah. know it's coming, yeah. What would you say to them to to hopefully uh, yeah. have them choose differently than than bottoming out? Well, well, I'll, I'll and I'll tie it into the, this question of of what does it mean to need you know mm. need in relationship or just need in general. So I, I think it's a, it's a healthy, I think it's a, it's a, it's an important part of our evolution of, of individuating as, as humans that, you know, getting out from underneath our parents' shadow, learning to live our own lives, learning to be self-sufficient in most ways. Um, I mean, self-sufficiency in itself is a myth. I mean, I, I, I have, I have lighting in my room because somebody at the power company is providing it for me. You know, there's a whole infrastructure of life. I haven't, I haven't, I've never shot an animal and ate it in my life. I go to the grocery store. I mean, there's no such thing as complete self-sufficiency, but, you know, learning how to, yes, be with my own emotions, regulate my own emotions when I'm not getting what I want, learning how to be okay with that, learning to hear no, right? Learning how to honor my partner's no and be okay with that, not be needy in the sense that I need you to say yes in order for me to feel good about my life and myself. Like that's not healthy. So I think developing that independence and that's that stage two independence, honoring that my partner also has rights and they're valid and they're, you know, they have, they have their own needs and wants and all that, but I have mine and learning how to kind of self-care and self-regulate, but that's not the end of the story. And I would say to, to anybody, and this is where the third stage, this we consciousness really emerges learning how to allow ourselves to depend on another, allow ourselves to express needs. That takes courage, real courage, because, you know, and I've seen this evolution in my own life where, yeah, not wanting to be a needy guy and also, you know, growing up with very kind of independent minded parents that, you know, from the time I was four in a way, I felt like I, 
became an adult and had to kind of take, you know, single working mom, very busy mom, dad's now gone. You know, I kind of had to take care of myself in a way, emotionally, certainly. And for a lot of time, I wouldn't, I'd pretend I don't have needs in relationship. I don't, I don't, I don't need anything. I'm here. I'm good. Again, second stage. I got me, you got you, but I got me. Don't worry. Right. And it just, it didn't work. You know, every woman I partnered with wanted to be needed, at least emotionally, in the same way that I've discovered, like, I want to be needed by my partner. It's, it's blissful. It's, it's when my partner comes to me with a technical problem or she needs help in her business as she's doing her, building her, her therapy and Instagram and all these, all these things. I have so much experience that I can offer her. I love helping her with something that would have taken her 12 hours to figure out that I can do in four minutes, Mm. like to be needed and to offer that. Right. And it's interesting because she too doesn't want to need me for these things. She doesn't want to burden me. Doesn't want to inconvenience me. And I'm like, stop it, you know, stop it. You, I have these skills. Let me offer them. And likewise, it's the same. Like, I don't want to burden her. If I'm upset, if I'm angry, if something hurts, like I have that, that, I don't want to be needy, you know, stoicism, the males, the masculine, no, I can, you know, I don't need anything. I can just shut it down and, you know, man up and carry on. And, and again, look, that may have its place. Like if the house is on fire, you know, we can't worry about what my feelings are about it. I got to fucking get our shit and get out. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to just a relational issues, if I'm upset about something, it serves neither of us for me to pretend that I'm not, or if I want something that I'm not getting and, and, and pretending that I, I don't want it doesn't serve us. Again, having the capacity to, to, to let it be okay that she says no is important, but allowing myself to feel the yearning, to feel that desire, and then tell her the truth of it. You know, and this happens all the time because we're different people. We have different sensitivities. So allowing myself to really be honest about what I want when I'm, even when I'm upset, if I'm not getting it while simultaneously reminding her over and over, it's okay if you say no, but I want you to know that it hurts. Yeah. You, you are allowed to always say no. And at least right now it hurts. I, I, I want something different. It's like, that's me allowing my neediness to come out without burdening her with actually having to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because oftentimes, you know, you're talking about communicating our needs and not wanting to seem needy, not wanting to seem needy. But yeah. the, the funny thing is, is that more often than not, needy people are the ones not communicating their needs, right? The most needy people are the ones who are almost like they're manipulating situations, right? They're constantly in contact. They're constantly like trying to get their needs met without actually asking for it, right? That's like the classic nice guy things, right? Why yeah, are they, sure. why are they, why are they nice guys? Because they're just classically needy, right? Well, and so- it, well, I would say it's any, anyone in that kind of stage one mindset, whether, whether you're on the nars, the full, the hero end, which is I, you got to meet all my needs and I'll be a loud and vocal and I'll complain right. loud and let you know, do it, do it, do it. Or on the other extreme, which is I'm going to pretend I have no needs whatsoever. Yeah. Just completely zone out from my own needs. Yeah. I mean, it's the spectrum. Yeah, such a such an interesting such an interesting dynamic. And so, so where does that take us? So you're you're talking about the third phase and like really having the the we dynamic. And it seems like, you know, there is a form of true freedom and independence that could be found in there. Yeah, still within that space of caring for 
yeah. the relationship of caring for, for us. That's right. Well, even in the example that I just shared in my own experience, you know, we see that here's the, this is what's so beautiful about the third stage and why we resist it though, because we're so afraid from our independence. We're so afraid of going back to codependence hmm. where we lose ourselves or, or, or we stay so rooted that our partner loses themselves because we don't give an inch. It's like, you know, that we don't want to go back to codependence. Nobody does. It sucks back there. Right. But we don't realize. So what happens? And so it's like, we want to hold on to our independence, but stage three, this we consciousness, what I love about this dancing in this, in this, in this domain is you don't lose yourself. You know, we is built on you and I, Mm. you and I are inside of we, I don't lose myself, but here's what happens is See, I know like in that example I shared where let's say, you know, I want something. It could just be to to go somewhere and my partner doesn't want to go there, but it's really important to me that she goes. But for her, it's like, no, it's just that it just feels like a deep, it it would be in some way hurtful for her to go there. If I'm not honest, if I just pretend that it doesn't matter to me or that, you know, okay, fine, you know, I'll take care of me, you take care of you, um, stay in I and you. What happens is, yeah, we just, we live separate. We live disconnected. You have two separate individuals. We, we may live our own lives and we'll get through that moment, but there's no we consciousness in that. And, and, and what I mean by we consciousness is when I'm just telling the truth, again, I'm saying I honor your right to say no. And this, I'm fucking, I'm in pain right now. I just want you to know that I'm also in pain and I'm not telling you I'm in pain to manipulate you. I'm just being honest about my experience. And, and like it even, it can even occur like this for a while because it's, it's it, this dialogue of, I so respect your right to say no. I so honor your boundaries. I support you, love you. You're fucking amazing. And I'm not going anywhere. You know, you have every right to say no. And it's fucking killing me right now. Mm. Like holding both of that. That's what relationship is. It's being able to hold both, not lose what's true for me, but not dismiss what's true for my partner. And, 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 and not, you know, living from we means I don't just serve my ego, but I also don't just serve yours. It's we, what would serve we, not just little old me or little old you. That's the other part of losing myself. Like I just, just have to do what she wants or do what she says. Not at all. In fact, that is one of the quickest ways to lose respect for yourself and for her to lose respect for you as a man is just doing whatever she says. She's yeah. not your mom. She doesn't want to be. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because I think what I hear you talking about is in a lot of ways from the masculine space, what I call, and I'm sure that this is not my verbiage, but uh, being the container, you know, creating the container for the feminine to show up in, you know, as yeah. the masculine of being the container. And and really, like I wrote an article called... Even if it's showing up in me. Exactly. Exactly. I wrote this, I wrote this article called... Uh, WTF is holding space. Like what the fuck is holding space? Mm. Because I hear so many people talk about holding space and what that actually means. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you just aptly described it. It's this ability to witness our own experience while simultaneously being able to hold space for somebody else's. It's being able to witness in that moment what we want and our, you know, our pain or frustration or anger around it while, while simultaneously being like, it's okay for you to still say no. That's right. Absolutely. In fact, one of the, one of the practices that I, I work with myself and I work with uh, many of my clients is something I called uh, anger yoga. 
mm. or, or emotion yoga. And that is, it's a way of expressing our, our upset, expressing, or, or what, again, for, for men, it tends to be anger first, like you very aptly pointed out. Um, but, and for women, it, a lot of times it's just emotion in general, but it being able to create a container for us to feel our emotions, feel our anger without creating more damage by it. Because usually we take that anger and we direct it at something, usually our partner, or we direct it inward at ourselves and mm. self-destruct. We need a container to express it, to witness it, to, to give it space. You know, whether that's sometimes I'll go out on a hike. I live in these beautiful hills and I'll go out on a hike. And usually at nighttime when no one else is out there, because I will, I, will, I will murder you know, through, I will just like, I will spend 30 minutes. If you were to listen to my dialogue, you'd, you'd, some, you'd think I'm killing someone <laughs> on that hike. But it's just, you know, it's an angry yoga practice. No one's actually getting hurt. No, there's nobody, there's no one with me. I'm alone. I'm just, you know, I'm kicking the dirt. I'm fucking yelling to the, I'm screaming to the sky. You know, I'm just, woo, you know, and that's my anger yoga practice, which allows me to then come back to my relationship or back to my life and be invigorated. You know, I've moved energy through me, but now I can be present. Mm. I mean, that's a, it's a, that's been a transformational practice for me. That's, that's saved relationships mm. because when I express anger directly at someone, I, I off, I have ruined relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to find a way to express. And I think this is such a good point. We've landed on such a great great place here is how do we communicate anger within relationships? You know, mm -hmm. I think that that's something that a lot of guys struggle with, whether it's, you know, uh, expressing too much or not expressing enough yeah. because the, the answer is not, not expressing anger at all because it's yeah. not what our partner wants because that doesn't feel safe either. That feels yeah. like a, that feels like a facade, yeah. you know, it feels like such a fake. And so the ability to go and let loose, you know, the vent a little bit and then be able to, in a healthy way, in a, in a, in a positive dynamic, express some of that hurt and anger, I think is really positive. You know, it's the, it's actually really sexy when a man expresses his full on emotions but he does so in a way that is not directed at, let's say, let's just say, you know, his partner. Yeah. You when did he, this. You did this. You fucking did this. You, I'm angry at you, 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 and the, all the energy coming at like, that's terrifying. Yeah. That's just terrifying. But when a man, and you know, I've, I've done this a few times where, you know, I'll, I'll, um, you know, I'll, I've punched the floor. I've gotten angry, but I'm simultaneously like acknowledging that you, this isn't your fault to my yeah. partner. You didn't do this to me, but I'm feeling this right now. Like, you know, I've literally said those words and that's a practice that she and I have. It's a way of acknowledging uh, of sort of, you know, taking out the neediness. Like I need you to fix this. I need you to do something different. I need you. Like, that's where we all go. Fuck that. You know, cause then we don't feel free. Like I, I can't, I can't fix you. I can't even fucking save myself. You want me to <laughs> save you? I don't even know how to manage my own experience. I got to manage yours, you know? So it's like, you know, as we evolve and we really learn that's in that second stage to take care of ourselves, that's where neediness kind of settles hmm. but in the third stage we again allow ourselves to depend on to because when i'm upset and i'm in like life has me it's beautiful to be able to come to my partner even if it's even if she's the one that triggered it maybe she said something or did something that triggered it it's so powerful for me to just be able to say i'm fucking angry and vice versa for her hmm. to say i'm hurt this really hurt while simultaneously telling me hey this isn't your fault you didn't do this to me. It may have triggered, 
but I want you to know this isn't, you don't have to do anything different. You're not a bad person. You didn't do anything wrong. I mean, these are language we actually will use to help settle the like, oh God, I have to do something. I have to fix you. I have to save you. I have to be different for you. Like we'll use language that actually helps settle that, that fear, that resistance, that, that, that our own, you know, kind of knee jerk. Oh shit. I, I'm, I'm a disappointment to you. Like, cause once we settle that, then we can just, the emotions can be there. Whatever is in the space, we can be there and we can play with it. And it actually can enhance intimacy. It, it creates a really beautiful connected experience. Mm. We connect, you know, emotionally, even in our bodies, oxytocin, you said earlier, men connect through touch. It's and women, you know, because when, when we touched, we re, we actually oxytocin gets released in our bodies, mm-hmm. you know, as men. Yeah, and, and the, the interesting thing is that on that note, it, you know, a lot of research has been done that shows that men, men actually don't release that in, until there's a, a 20 second consistent amount of touch. Oh, wow. And so oftentimes what's happening is guys are getting like that. You know how they do like how, how we do sometimes it's like side handshake and the quick pat on the back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that doesn't <laughs> it like, doesn't register in our bodies. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so like a lot of the times that's why, you know, like we need this more like consistent uh, touch in our lives. And that's why a lot of guys will crave a more like intimate sexual connection oftentimes yeah. because they're actually lacking their bodies experiencing this almost like lack and severe withdrawal of, of true physical touch on a consistent basis. Well, that's interesting. And if we touch each other too long, like it's like, we're, we're only allowed to feel that in the sexual context. Right. And if, and if we're touching someone where it's not supposed to be sexual, whether it's another man or, or even like it, it's awkward because we can't go there. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, um, so we're going to start wrapping up. We don't, we don't actually have six hours, unfortunately, Uh, uh, or, or a whole week, but we do have to start wrapping up. And so I just want to get your insight on, on, on really quickly boundaries. I know this is something that you talk about. You've got a whole course on it for, for couples and individuals. And, um, if you could just shed a little bit of light of how maybe like the high level, how do people set effective boundaries in their relationship? Yeah. Well, yeah, the name of the program is, is boundaries. Relationships suck without them. <laughs> They're like just bottom line relationships suck without boundaries. Um, you know, boundaries, you know, Brene Brown put it very simply. It's boundaries are basically what is okay and what is not okay. And the way that I frame it in the program and, and is, is it's the difference between a request and a requirement. And this is where we really got to get clear with ourselves. What are just the things that are nice to have? you know, in a relationship, things that we would like to experience, but you know, we're not going to leave the relationship if we don't get them. You know, maybe your partner's really messy and you don't like messy and, but you're not going to end the relationship. It might be a request that we keep the place cleaner or whatever, but requirements are non-negotiables. Like I am not going to be in this relationship. If, if there's, if we're, if we're going to name call each other during arguments, that's, for some, for many people, not everyone, but for some, for many, that's a non-negotiable mm-hmm. because when I, because what happens when I get called names, then I can't, I just can't, I can't show up anymore in the conversation. I'm, I'm, my dad called me names. This isn't my experience, but I'm just saying like, you know, this, I just, I fall, it's my wound. I fall apart. I just, I can't be here. I'm not, I don't feel safe when this is happening. Right. So requirements, boundaries, they create safety. When we don't feel safe, then we put up fuck you walls. Right. Boundaries are just the, the, the container within which I feel safe and I can really show up. 
if we don't have those, then we put up our fuck you walls and that's where war begins. Mm. So, you know, that, that, that's a whole program. I think you and uh, Vienna talked about boundaries in your podcast as well, because it's yeah. that it, that's the work of stage two, creating boundaries. And you cannot create a stage three relationship. You cannot have an interdependence experience without boundaries. Mm. It, you just can't. You, what happens is you, you go back to codependence without boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, listen, I think that's obviously that's some solid insight. And I just have loved having you on the podcast. Thanks so much for the work that you're doing. Thanks, um, man. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you so Appreciate much. It was, it. it was good to finally jam. I feel like, uh, yeah, I felt like that was like a jam sesh, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, my, and my partner, Sylvie, she was really excited for us to, to do this as well. She's been following your work and I so appreciate what you're doing. We're awesome. really taking on the, you know, the, 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 the man world. I've resisted that myself as a former Air Force officer and I was in a fraternity. Like I really witnessed a lot of that dark masculine being and it's like, you know, so I've been called more and more to it myself, but I resist it because yeah. of my own wounds. And so it takes a lot of courage to to take this on full on, man. So, you know, I really so appreciate what you're doing as well. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. You definitely have to have a certain level of thick skin or just like <laughs> naivete, you know, that there's a, there's, that a, there's both, there's, there's a little bit of both in there when you see the, the YouTube yeah. comments or, uh, you know, sure. whatever, whatever shows up when you're just well, like, Whew. when that bully sucker punched you and, and, you know, when you sang the anthem that day, I mean, that's, you know, that's prepared you for a lifetime of it. So there you go. There you go. I was like, I was yeah. prepped. I had the, I had the abs after that. And you, and you overcame and you sang. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah, awesome, brother. Well, thanks so much for joining me on the man talks podcast for everybody else out there listening. Uh, I definitely invite you to head on over to Brian's site. Uh, his, his site's going to be in the show notes, but it's Brian Reeves, double E V E S. Brian with a Y. I'm Brian with a Y. Thank you. I could Thank good comment. Uh, BrianReeves.com. Uh, he's got a great book out as well. So if you wanted to check that out, it's called Tell the Truth. Let the peace fall where it may. Uh, you can get that on Amazon or through his site. Check out the Boundaries course. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Join me again next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual. Mm-hmm.